2: Hi Adam.
1: Hey Frankie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> we know how each other is. <laughs> oh no,
2: we haven't. We've been totally <laughs> silent this entire time before recording. Mm.
1: You people can't see this. I can see this. Frankie recently moved into her new Agatha Christie style home and you've just had an Agatha Christie style edition built, which I can see in the background, which yes. is very, very impressive. Do you want to tell people?
2: It's what a it is? torture chamber. No, that's not mm. true. It's well it's oh, it's bookshelves. <laughs> <laughs> Which I suppose could be a torture chamber through a series of paper cuts. But it is a book- <laughs> my dream bookshelves. Basically, I've had my dream bookshelves built. Because I- it's a
1: torture chamber if you're a Trump supporter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or if you just hate literacy in all its forms, I suppose. But yeah, they are my dream bookshelves. I, they were finished yesterday. I've been loading them up. Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't actually given you the full tour of my, my uh, category yeah. breakdown. But top two sections. All Agatha Christie and Agatha Christie-related mm. literature. Those are where all my books are, my, my Agatha Christie books. And then the shelf below is uh, books about Agatha Christie and kind of theoretical stuff. And <laughs> Yeah, nerd.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so... I can see them, and they're very, 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 very impressive. And then um, I also, yeah, can you see,
2: it... I have a nice framed picture at the top there.
1: Is that the one I got you for Christmas?
2: Yes, that one. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, where it belongs at the top. <laughs> Had to be. And you also have Amsterdam sex dungeon lights in your room as well. Yes.
2: Though. Well that goes with uh with the the other national, no, I've not gotta say that on this book I, like, I have a whole shelf of my dad's the, erotic There's books. a shelf
1: that's out of shot.
2: <laughs> there is, there really is. I'm not even joking. <laughs>
1: oh
2: all right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I put it on the top shelf.
1: Like Bradford News Agent. Yeah, that's one.
2: Exactly that. (laughs) Yeah, I'll show you after this if you like.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, no, why would I want to see that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) No. No, my my delicate sensibilities...
1: Well, um, welcome again to uh, another outing with the Labour of Hercule. Have we heard from anyone in the past couple of weeks?
2: We sure have. I've got a lot of stuff to read out, which is great.
1: Oh, blimey trousers. Go on then. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I thought you had like a wedgie or something. Are you okay?
1: <laughs> Always. <laughs>
2: Okay. We had a very lovely email from Brian Z Z. Z, depending on where you're from. Jay-Z, Brian Z, I imagine they're the same family, <laughs> probably. Uh so <laughs> Brian said, Hello Adam and Frankie. I say I had to write to convey my appreciation for finding your podcast on Spotify in late 2022. I cannot oh, yeah. emphasize in I know, I cannot emphasize enough on how much I look forward each week to hear your latest podcast. Your show brings me such joy and laughter. I love hearing the laughter coming from you both. I especially love when the both of you become so damn defensive. Damn defensive.
0: Never happened. You're damn
3: defensive. <laughs> <laughs> dirty uh, swine. Dirty swine. I said are you being a dirty swine, Adam? Come on, we both All know right. how damn
2: defensive we both are.
3: Uh,
2: <laughs> he says, "LMAO." So he's literally laughed his ass off. If I anyone has a
1: spare ass, spare I was send gonna it to say, Brian. Send it to Brian. Brian
2: I hope you've sought the uh, appropriate medical attention and that you're feeling okay. Um, he <laughs> says, may the both of you keep us in stitches for many years. Yours in damn defence. Damn defence. Brian said.
1: Oh, so. bless you, Brian. I, I didn't have an arse at one point. Do you know? How is I that
2: why it? you went for like a Kim Kardashian one now? And you're so yeah. like round. I did
1: it, I did it with cakes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is a very legitimate means, I would say.
1: Yeah, now I have um, all the R's.
2: You have the perfect R's, Adam, there you go. <laughs> thank you very, much. Thank you very much. It's
1: rs arse- absolutely. Uh, now, hang on a minute, I'll work on this one, you read the next
2: one. It hit a bit of a bum note with that? Oh,
1: there it was. It was right in front of me, or oh, right behind me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no need to get your backup. Anyway, uh, I also put out a note on our Instagram account. If you're not following us on Instagram and Twitter, you should, because it's fun. uh, Labours of Hercule. Uh, And I asked people what they wanted to hear us talk about or any questions or anything. And the first message we had now, from our last episode, previously on the Labours of Hercule, uh, we talked a little bit about uh, a certain adaptation of uh, some Poirot films, that we were mm. with with a certain person who I take particular damn defense to <laughs> in his portrayal.
1: Absolutely. A Kenneth Branagh.
2: Oh name. nice. That's that's <laughs> that's his full name now. Uh, and in response to that I had the first of all from Antonia A 1972 she asks why does Frankie dislike Kenneth Branagh so much? Yeah,
0: why
1: Frankie?
2: Well, Antonia uh, A <laughs> 1972 uh, I Dislike Kenneth Branagh for a multitude of reasons. I mean, as an actor <laughs> in his personal life, whatever, I'm sure he's fine. He's done some great films. He's a good actor. However, I take exception to his arrogance that he could portray... My issue is... And I said this many times. <laughs> getting all head up now. No, um, hang on
1: a minute. My popcorn's already ready. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: if you're going to do an adaptation of Poirot, personally think you can't do better than David Suchet's anyway so why would you bother but if you're going to make it sufficiently different or unique in some way Kenneth Branagh is still an old white man but he's taken that as enough of a qualification to play Poirot and he made up loads of extra rubbish to go alongside it such as a backstory for the moustache apparently Poirot is hiding hideous war injuries and he's a fight he fights on top of trains and stuff so Mm, yeah I have a few issues with it so, Antonia so you, A 1972 one
1: second you don't think that that in itself is um, a new way of playing no. Poirot no he's a man of no. action and um, he has scarring which is
2: or even how Pete Houstonoff did it like he did it mm. basically Poirot in name only and like a light accent but he basically was just like yeah I'm gonna be a bit shabby I'm, go- I'm gonna have a moustache but yeah it's not gonna be anything to write home about and I'm just gonna solve these murders mm.
1: yeah we had so a conversation about alternate Poirots didn't we yeah. Was it actually on the podcast? Um, I can't it? remember. It might have been on our first episode. IRL. You, you, you had a, like a really interesting... I think <laughs> it was actually it was on Red and Buried, actually. You, you, <laughs> you made a really interesting point in that you... Well, I'll let you make it. If you what, see what, what, new... what,
2: what fascinating point did I make? I <laughs> can't remember. Can't keep up with all of them. Oh, no, it wasn't
1: you. That's right.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds more appropriate.
1: <laughs> no, you said um, um, they should take the character of Poirot and make it, you know, have it played by... I think you had a bit of a moonshot idea and i don't want to a woman take it from you yeah a woman
2: i just mm. think why not i think if you're going to do it do it completely differently like i think mm. actually maybe we did talk about this before there was a rumor of and i don't think it ever happened <laughs> in the end of marple being played by like octavia spencer and like mm. that's great like why not mix it up and try something completely different that's what i just mm. it's otherwise it's just the same thing over and over again and I don't think giving the moustache a backstory is enough of a change in my opinion Mm. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna do an adaptation make it fun make it interesting
1: I do think um there is space definitely for a young Mm. Poirot or a yes. young Mar- Marple. You could have young Marple at a girls' boarding school solving mysteries. Oh, like that that's a that's series a in itself. Series. And you could even have a young Poirot because these people didn't just appear at old age no. with, with these skills. They obviously had some kind of life experience that would be really interesting to know about.
2: Absolutely. Um, you could
1: do Poirot's policeman days because he was solving crimes for the Belgian police back in the day. And it's just like we meet him at Styles and he's yeah. had this whole history and it's only ever hinted at, or occasionally we get episodes like The Chocolate Box where it actually Show showed yeah. you an episode from his past but he could totally do a, a series about young Guaroa
2: absolutely Guaro. and Sophie Hannah is writing books based in that period, you know, before mm. he, he was with Hastings and the, the Whitehaven four gang. Like there's, there's a lot you could do. And Agatha Christie herself said in her autobiography, which is on the shelf behind me somewhere. Uh, she said that she regretted making both Poirot and Marple so old when she started uh. writing them. Cause she's like, she was like, I gave them a shelf life. And you know, mm. if I'd started, she like with hindsight, I should have started like a 10 year old Poirot. And then like, mm. you could have grown up and, lived lived forever but yeah mm. anyway so then we also in the same vein had message a message or two from shannon who
1: yeah, oh, lovely shannon
2: yeah a lovely shannon who said saw death in the nile at the theater with my bff we laughed so hard the whole time everyone in the theater kept glaring at us we just kept we just kept saying what the hell is happening so yeah we should death do a watch along laughing Laugh crying emojis mm. I, th- I
1: think that's a great idea because watch-alongs, when you're watching them, so that you can talk at the same time, work really well with movies that people find hilarious. Yeah, so, um, yeah, you're right. So, and
2: yeah. you know what? Like public torture was always really popular, wasn't it? Back in the day, I mm. think it'd be good to bring back that for me, so everyone can en- enjoy my misery. As a I don't think group.
1: anyone anyone could quite honestly sit there and authentically praise the new Kenneth Branagh movies over the, the Suchet movies. So I don't, I don't think I think we'll be in good company no matter who's in that.
2: Only because our listeners are the best of people and we, we only attract the, the finest quality folk. I'm such a creep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm right. So it works. W-
1: works though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh,
2: so we also had a message from the wonderful Jack Jewers, our oh, mutual friend. Jack. Yeah. Lovely Jack, um, who is a very talented author. Everyone should go and buy his book. The Lost Diary of Samuel Pepys, because it is excellent. But he says, hidden backstory or shocking secret, name your best piece of personal Poirot headcanon. I, I think we actually already named the best one in our Christmas episode <laughs> with uh, Miss Lemon and, and Hastings and then yeah. oh, yeah. Sexy, I mean, Sexy Christmas. <laughs>
1: All my sort of uh, headcanon stuff will be around Miss Lemon. And I was going, oh, what about Miss Lemon? What about Miss And unfortunately, I do actually, we do actually know what she was doing before. I don't know what yeah, she we did. don't know
2: in our personal mm. life though
1: so. no she's very secretive isn't she mm. i reckon she's a mistress yeah Do you know what i mean she has a dungeon she has a side a side gig
2: i knew she and i had so much in common
1: you know irene adler in the sherlock series the new one yeah that's that's miss lemon's gig i think she's a madam
2: interesting mm. i like to think that she goes to like kind of speakeasy bars and stuff and just like goes out every night and is has the best time i think she'd be mm. a lot of fun Definitely. <laughs> Ooh, Only thing look. is,
1: she can't wear a watch because it interferes with her. Her magnetism. Her magnetism, yeah.
2: She can't go to that. magnet shops either because they're just, <laughs> <laughs> just like yeah, a walking fridge. <laughs> yeah. She can't
1: use Apple products because all the covers are. <laughs> That's it.
2: So that is uh, that was. A, if anyone else, can you people listening, tell us your theories and things? So I love this. Shit. I love I love hearing fan <laughs> theories and stuff. It's super fun. And in that vein, actually, we had a message from Tree. Lovely Tree. Oh.
1: Yeah, who you met last week.
2: I did. She was Mm. just as wonderful in person as I I dreamed she'd be and more. But she said, and this is an interesting theory, she said, big brain comment or working on my little grey cells may be more apt, but bear with me, this might not make sense. She says, I had a thought. Is Hastings the part of Poirot that Agatha Christie pulled from his character because feelings and fun would have made him too normal?
1: maybe maybe he's like living personality wise through other people yeah I mean yeah it makes sense doesn't it totally
2: well because I think I think we've said before a few times between Hastings and Poirot you have a a kind of a full person
1: yeah a complete human being don't you yeah
2: because not that that either (laughs) of them are incomplete as such but Hastings isn't the best you know, sharpest tool no. in the shed. If and... you put them both
1: together, you'd have a very high-functioning Labrador. Wouldn't
2: you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. A working dog, for sure. Like, yeah. A... yeah, absolutely. A police dog or something. It'd be very diligent. A dog, I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rounding up bad guys. That would be great. But, yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting theory, actually. and
1: Barking at cars, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: because equally, on the flip side, while Poirot probably makes Hastings smarter, Hastings makes Poirot Softer and sillier, and in the episode we're about to talk about, there's a lot of that in it. So,
1: I, th- I thought you were going to say dumber <laughs>
2: <Sorry>. <laughs> I was never <laughs> damn offensive.
0: You're damned offensive.
2: Um, and one last message or comment from Tweed Valley blogger, oh, right, uh, cool. yeah, yes. saying, discuss board games given the monopoly theme now we are getting ahead of ourselves slightly but mm. in today's episode of the lost mind they play the world's longest mm. game of monopoly mm. uh, yeah. do you have any thoughts on monopoly as a game adam
1: i am the king of monopoly we used to play it every week when i was in sort oh. of 18 to 25 all my friends would like get together on a friday we get absolutely you guys it. are
2: wild <laughs> <laughs>
1: um and then we would we'd play Monopoly and we would play the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire board game because it was like you know we had these board games we had no money so it was like mm-hmm. if we spend 20 quid a week on booze and we'll sit there and just fall asleep on sofas and play games all night that's what we used to do that sounds very fun. geeky but Monopoly was the one that no one could beat me at because I used to come up with these strategies so um yeah. I
2: didn't realise that you are a massive banker.
1: <laughs> Total banker.
2: <Yeah. laughs> Absolute banker. <laughs> wow, so, you, so you're so you of the opinion, we can get into it into the episode, that there is a skill to playing Monopoly and it's not luck.
1: If you discard the rules and allow you <laughs> custom rules, then yes, definitely.
2: <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> mm. Okay. How about you? I have to admit that I have not had any games of Monopoly that have been quite that intense Um because I've been in my experience, everyone plays it and then gets bored and gives up mm-hmm. about an hour in. Uh, but I, I do quitters, they're called <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but I, I do enjoy board games. I've got um, I've got a few, and actually one of my one of my proudest things that I've ever given to someone. Uh, get, <laughs> I'll be careful with what I say no one of the, the best things I did for, for my dear <laughs> no, I'm not proud of that <laughs> I'm suitably like ashamed <laughs> uh, uh, no. Dirty swine
3: Dirty swine
2: my dear friend Sarah who I do another podcast with Red and Berry podcast uh, I made her for Christmas one year uh, serial killer guess who it took me forever it took me weeks to make by I, I cut out all the pictures of the different serial killers and printed them and mounted them up i've got photos of it uh it took me forever um but it's a lot oh my of fun god. yeah like, I, speaking of nerdy but it was really good fun and then i i did post about it on social at the time and, and on reddit and things and people really were like oh my god i want to buy one and i was like it took me two weeks of misery <laughs> to get this finished absolutely not so but yeah board games are fun i enjoy a good game night
1: yeah well thank you very very much to everyone who, who wrote in and uh please feel free to do so at bonjour at the of or you can get in touch with us through our socials we get into the episode
2: yeah let's do it let's get our our hard hat with a little light on because we're going down a mine, aren't we?
1: It's lost, though, isn't no.
2: it? No. Yeah, we're going to look for it. The light will help, <laughs> I
1: guess. Yeah, but let's, go, let's do it. It's the last night <laughs> Probably some stuff to note first. I would say, before we Mm. head into this episode, if we send you into this one blind, you might wonder why it wasn't acknowledged at the beginning of this episode. This does involve many people from the continent of Asia. So unfortunately, as it's set in 1935, as we find out through the... Hotel register Attitudes And I think Speaking those attitudes Was far more prevalent At the time um, It's unfortunate Of course But even back in 1990 when this was Aired It was still Seen as rather funny And okay To to air those views So there is There is a, a slight Note of racism Here and there just so yeah. you're aware, if, if you're um, absolutely appalled and offended by that, then probably best to give this one a miss. But
2: uh, yes. Yeah. Just Some of the elaborate. language is a little outdated in, mm-hmm. in the words, the, the terms that are used. But I do mm. m- kind of maintain that. It's, it's from a place As I say, it's of its time in terms of the writing but even still the characters themselves I think are, are very respectful in a lot of ways But Poirot in particular and people like that so mm-hmm. it's worth watching still if it's not too horribly um, it, and it is outdated and some parts you I think in my notes I wrote yikes a few times because it's not the easiest mm. to enjoy but there is a lot of good in this episode too so see how you go mm. no pressure
1: I think a scene that stood out for me most was um, I don't think there's a female Chinese character in this who isn't some kind of courtesan let's say yeah yeah. And um, there was a there was a moment where um, she's chasing a sailor down the street, literally saying "Me love you long time." And it yeah, was basically, like, it was like good good grief that <laughs> you
2: yeah, get this really? from the nineteen
1: twenties vaudeville circuit or something. Yeah, so yeah, just just I mean things like that. And you know, it's, it, as we say, it's outdated and stuff. But as long as you focus on the mystery and not on the stereotypes, there is stuff to enjoy. So yeah,
2: it's a good, good mystery. Mm, yeah, a good mystery. I'll say, <laughs> Adam, what are the White Haven Four up to?
1: Poirot and Hastings have discovered monopoly <laughs> and it seems to m- monopolize their entire hey. evenings from what I can see <laughs> and Very um good. yes uh, there's a heavy monopoly theme running through in fact there's a heavy sort of financial everything yeah. running through because not only have they discovered monopoly but uh, Hastings and Miss Lemon it seems are all about the stock market and they are investing in certain things and seeing their money dwindle and then rise again So there's a there's a heavy financial thread going through this.
2: Yeah, Um, they put a lot of stock in it, and and also that keeping with that financial theme, we'll get into it a bit more shortly. But Poirot's having some banking issues of his own, isn't
0: he? (laughs) Mais non, c'est impossible. How can I be fifty pounds overdrawn? It is a point of principle that I always keep my balance at four hundred and forty-four pounds. Four shillings and four pence. A point of principle. I shall
1: take it once more, sir. Poirot has found that you know, money has somehow gone from his account. He's
2: overdrawn. Damn defensive. <laughs> okay, so meanwhile, while the Monopoly game is afoot and Foreign <laughs> and Hastings are in the thick of banking all over each other, we have a mysterious man in a top hat arrives at the St. James Hotel. Uh, his name is Han Wu Ling and he checks in. There are going to be some... Big clues in this one. This is another thing to say about this mystery. You can solve this one to a degree. Mm. There are mm-hmm. lots of very clear clues that yeah. we all need to pay attention. So, everybody, pay attention because we're going to solve this yeah. one together. Uh, so, uh, Wu Ling arrives, he checks in and he asks for a box of matches at the register because he smokes. Uh, he is quite a distinctive looking character, I would say. He's got a very long moustache, he's got very black teeth. Um, he's dressed he very smartly
1: Isn't he and Very he's got, smart like, a top hat He's very well to do And that's mm. Kind of To its credit I think Because most Asian stereotypes Of this mm. ilk They're either You know Opium den owners Or Laundry people or, You know That kind of yeah. thing But here we are Showing that There's a Chinese banker. He's very well off and he's very well-to-do and there is very high in society and he arrives. As well as the boxer matches, the camera also zooms in on him signing the register. And I would say it's extraordinarily important. You don't ever see someone writing something in close-up unless it's important in anything, any film or anything. So, um, yeah, keep your eyes open. There are a lot of clues, actually, draped in at the beginning. My name is Wu Ling. Han Wu Ling. I have a reservation
3: Ah, yes, Mr. Wu Ling, uh, room 306.
2: And it seems that uh, Wu Ling is in London for a big meeting at a bank. He, as you said, he works in finance. It's, it's clear he's got some sort of correlation there. So there's a lot going on. There's a big meeting at the bank and it seems that they are waiting for Wooling to arrive for this big mm-hmm. meeting. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of buzz around it and uh, the bank manager, or bank director, Lord Pearson, is particularly anxious for Wooling's arrival.
3: Have Mr Wooling sent straight up here when he arrives.
2: And then, who should arrive at the bank just as when all of the excitement is going on but Poirot in a top hat? In a friggin' top hat,
1: yeah. He's at the Poirot bank to check the balance of his account, as you do, because there was no, you know, Halifax app back in those days. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I
2: also really like the idea of, like, Poirot thinking, I'm going to the bank and I'm going to talk about money, so I should wear a top hat. <laughs> this seems like mm-hmm. the right I need agenda. to look like
1: the Monopoly
0: logo.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Where's my monocle? God <laughs> damn it. I've rechecked the
0: figures oh, sir, and oh, it's a mistake. Um, you're not a goat drawn by £50. Pounds. Oh, I'm afraid you're overdrawn by £60. There's no doubt this time, I'm afraid, sir. It's. This is an outrage!
2: So, yeah, Poirot arrives to check his balance, as you say, and. Oh, (laughs) s. Poirot (laughs) is overdrawn!
1: It's a beautiful scene, actually, because the the boy runs off to check the balance, goes back and says, yeah, you're 50 pounds overdrawn. He's like, what? What?"
2: (laughs) So Poirot obviously takes it with, uh, you know, humility and grace, the news that he's overdrawn (laughs) by 60 pounds which is the exact opposite of what he does. He loses his mind a bit. But while all this is going on, he's got an ear open because uh, the bank director, Lord Pearson, is called out because uh, he's told the Wu Ling has arrived. And he comes out and it's not Wu Ling. It's another Chinese man, which is problematic in itself, that (laughs) they all look the same to these people. (laughs) Oh dear. It's literally that, isn't it? Yeah, but instantly Lord Pearson's like, this is not Wu Ling. This Mm. is another... Poor Chinese man that's just been dragged over here to talk to me. Oh, thank goodness for
3: that. <laughs> no, I, no, this isn't <laughs> Mr Wu Ling. <laughs> I'm
2: most dreadful,
3: Mr. There's been a misunderstanding. <laughs> I don't apologize.
2: <laughs> they then go back to the hotel and Wu Ling, who is about to presumably leave and go to this bank meeting, is told that there's a visitor for him at the Reception.
1: Oh, there's a gentleman call round to see you, sir. He's in the lounge. And moments later, when um, someone goes to, to fetch Wuling, we see that he's not there anymore and there's nothing left but a smoking cigarette. But then we go back to Poirot's apartment where he is again playing Nopoli and
0: there's a little bit more comedy. One hundred. Two hundred. Three hundred. Four hundred. Five hundred. Six hundred. Not your night
3: tonight, old man.
1: And then uh, Lord Pearson arrives. And Poirot instantly assumes it's because. <laughs> <laughs> there's been a problem with his bank account.
0: Mr. Poirot? Yes. You have a visitor. A visitor? At this hour? It's Lord Pearson, from your bank. Lord Pearson? My bank?
3: Ah! My bank! Mr. Poirot, I, I can't apologize enough. I am
0: very pleased to hear you say so personally.
3: Oh, uh, yes, uh, I realize it's a little late, not but a you tool, see... Not
0: at all, Lord Pearson. It is better late than never, as you English say. Please do take a seat, huh? And may I offer you a drink? Oh, a dry sherry, thank you. You see... Hastings, a little something for you, my friend. Oh, all right, thank you. Uh, this
3: is a matter of such vital concern to us all that I don't think that I or any of the bank's directors will sleep easily in our beds until it's been sorted
0: out. Well, I must admit that I had not seen it in quite that light, but, um, yes, Lord Pearson, I have to agree with you. It is certainly most vital. Oh, you,
3: uh... You know about the disappearance of Mr Wu Ling, then?
0: Monsieur Wu Ling? Ah. Hastings be so kind as to pour me the little brandy, hmm?
2: My favourite part is when Poirot suddenly realises it's not about that
0: mm.
2: <laughs> and he styles it out like, yeah. oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I know, exactly, yeah. Mm. Totally,
2: totally, yes, yeah. Wu Ling, I did know that, yes. Yep, mm. Of okay. course I
1: did. Ear to the ground. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but then we find out through Lord Pearson that Wu Ling was coming to the bank because his family own a very profitable mine of silver. Do
3: you have any idea what this is, Mr Poirot? Some kind of mineral ore? Not much to look at. But smelt this down, burn off the lead impurities, and you're left holding a nugget of top-grade 24-carat
0: silver. Indeed. And this came from where?
3: About 200 miles inland from Rangoon, deep in the Burmese mountains. There's an old mine. The Chinese worked it for 300 years until 1878. And then it collapsed became lost to view. For half a century, men have died, gone mad, trying to find it again,
0: to seize its riches. So far, it's eluded them all. And this Monsieur Ling, he has some bearing on this lost mine?
3: It appears there's a map. Of the mine's location? It was handed down to Wu Ling through his family. This week, he came here to sell it to us. Arrangements were made for him to meet the board this morning to discuss a price. And he did not appear as planned. Huh? Exactly.
2: And it's a, it's a lost mind. You see what they did there with the name. Mm. So they it's don't know where choice. it is with, without mm. the map from Wu Ling. So he's very concerned that Wu Ling's gone missing. And yeah, that's that's the reason he's coming. He's not so concerned about the £60 overdraft, to be honest, unfortunately. No.
1: You, <laughs> you don't get the press of the bank uh, tapping your door at midnight. Just to go. Well, really, sorry.
2: (laughs) I think my uni years would have been fraught. He may have just camped outside my door. That that, that was the process. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Stop using your switch card.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You don't have money. Stop buying rounds at the pub.
1: We want that checkbook back, please.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: Basically, what happens after that is that Poirot starts making initial investigations, and they find out that no one can locate Wuling at all. All they know is he got off the boat, checked into the hotel, and uh, there's a certain feeling that there's definitely something wrong. We then flash to the scene I referred to earlier on, which is um, the lady of the night, shall we say, uh,
2: trying to proposition,
1: yeah, (laughs) a drunk, drunk sailor, and um, as they're getting it on against the wall, she suddenly notices. The body of Wu Ling lying in an alley.
3: Ah! Ah!
1: As she screams, a man emerges from the shadows near the body, seems to be Mm. dazed, and staggers off. So Wu Ling is dead. He's been murdered. Mm. And... We seemingly have a suspect straight away, the the man that was startled by the scream and, and ran off into the night.
2: So Jap and Poirot are called in to identify the body via a photo sent over by the Chinese authorities. They find his wallet, but the map is nowhere to be found to the mine. So it is officially lost, the mine now.
1: <laughs> They've <laughs> lost, lost the lost mine map as well. Not just the mine, but the map How- as
2: well. How much lost did the mine, mine lost <laughs> if a mine could lose his... Oh gosh, there's a tongue twister in there somewhere.
3: It's him, all right. Han Wu Ling, businessman from Rangoon. That was the name in his wallet.
0: How can you be sure it is him,
3: Chief Inspector?
0: Burmese authorities wind this photo over.
3: There was no sign of your map on him, I'm afraid.
0: I see. And he was stabbed in the back, you say? at least three times the wounds were rather peculiar consistent with some sort of curved oriental knife
3: being used
2: so then they they say that the wounds were quite peculiar he's been stabbed using again the language a curved oriental knife uh, and yeah he's been stabbed in the back poor old wooling um lord pearson arrives at the morgue and he is yeah, very upset he said he he's never met Woo Ling. So, you know, it's very, very shocking, very sad. How
3: well did you know this, gentleman, sir? Well, we never actually met.
1: It plays into a little bit of yellow peril-ish kind of 20s, 30s pulp here. A Chinese man's been killed with a curved blade, so therefore it must be something to do with some nefarious... Chinese vendetta kind of you know there's that kind of mm. yet five minutes of these yellow peril conspiracy theory type of Fu Man Chewish goings-on or something like this what's happening beneath our feet in Chinatown kind of thing. so in that respect it is slightly problematic we can't just say that all Chinese people are bad because one's been found dead in an alley but that of course was the attitude at the time
2: and the Be assumption about dense like yeah criminality within Mm. um the community particularly around chinatown and places like that Mm. yeah yeah so we're just gonna grab that big old pinch of salt everyone and bear in Mm -hmm. mind that there is a good mystery at its heart despite all of these not so pleasant periphery elements yeah
1: from about the quarter hour mark you get a good solid five ten minutes of it so just Yeah, Yeah. just going away.
2: And so then they head over to search Wu Ling's... um, They talk to the hotel manager and they search Wu Ling's room. They find uh, the box of matches that he asked for when he checked in. But then they also find a box of matches in his suitcase and it was a full box so Poirot in particular was like that's very strange why would he ask for a box my my initial thought when he said that was probably couldn't be asked to get out a suitcase that's which would be-
1: literally what I thought as well <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong they're just matches right it's not like it's going to cost him yeah. anything but I was, I was like that's not really a gotcha Poirot if I had a no. box of matches in my suitcase that was being currently carried over to an elevator anyway yeah. I wouldn't say hang on a minute I'm just going to run over there undo all my no. packing and get my matches out so I can have a cigarette while I'm signing I would just say if you've got, like, you got matches. Yeah, <laughs> of course you would. And,
2: and also, not I've never smoked, but I know that people that do smoke, quite, when they need to, they need it like now. They don't want to wait until they bloody get upstairs and have a, you know, he's had mm. a stressful journey. He's been on a boat. He's like, I want my cigarette. I want it now. Give me the matches. Mm. So, But Poirot seems to think it's a very significant point. Uh, forgive
0: me, but um, did you not say that upon the day of his arrival, Monsieur Bouling asked you for a box of matches? Yes, to light his cigarette. What is most curious? Has he already had a full box in his suitcase? Of course so, it is,
1: it turns out Yes,
2: we know it but is. Of, but... of course
1: it does, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just a very weird aha. You kind of think, mm,
2: is it an aha? <laughs> no, I know. Yeah,
1: you have it, <laughs> because okay, you're in a story.
2: <laughs> a more clear aha is that yes. when searching his room, Poirot finds a notebook under his bed and sees a name written in it, which is Charles Lester. You're not going to have a double notebook. You're going to have double matches. It's a different set of thing. (laughs) Uh, So there's a few elements within this. But then this scene coming up, we've got some peak Jap in this one, everyone. We've got (laughs) peak Jap of the yard doing surveillance old school.
1: This is actually really fun it's one of these it's one of these sequences that totally didn't need to be in there but it's like let's show what crime technology was happening at the time
3: I think you'll find this interesting Poirot it's a good deal more sophisticated than anything they've got on the continent
2: Basically, I mean, we can hopefully put some some clips in, but he but he introduces it by saying, "I think you'll find this interesting, Poirot. A good, more deal, sophisticated than anything we've got on the continent." So Jap is like, "This is modern," and that modern equivalent of um, the surveillance is toy cars on a map, which is my favourite part that they're moving around. But they are they've got modern surveillance going on. So jap has got some um, undercover detectives in cars around London, and they've got radios and they're calling in coordinates and following people so they're following uh in particular reginald dyer or reggie or yeah. reg as we've come to know or my lad as uh jack likes to call him as well later on. But he's a um a twice convicted cu- of currency fraud and is a known associate of several crime syndicates in hong kong but it seems I that ruling
1: yeah.
2: traveled with him into the uk yeah. so they're keeping an eye on him as a potential suspect in his murder as well
1: you get a good Five-minute sequence where Jap is manoeuvring the cars on the map and speaking to his lads in cars and saying, "No, turn right. You got to, you follow him now. You drop off the end and you go around there." And um, it culminates in all three cars surrounding Reginald Dyer <laughs> at the same moment. So it's good. really good fun. Control to units
3: seven, eight, and
2: ten. Game. The moment when they do it and Jap Jap goes, we've got him! And his little face is so proud. He's so proud and excited. (laughs) Like, I could have cried. Like, it was so, so sweet. (laughs) You never really see Jap get that excited about things. So it was really charming to see. Jap of the Yard. He has struck again.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We've got him! Jolly good. Good work, sir. Jolly good. Splendid,
2: sir. In the meantime, after that triumphant uh, bit of surveillance work by Jap and the lads, uh, mm. Poirot and Hastings head over to Lester, Dodds and Parker to talk to Charles Lester, who they found the details of him His in Ruling's book. Now, mm. Lester is a bit of a... Slimy stockbroker type, I would say. He's a
1: wheeler dealer, any? He? He's um. He's yeah,
2: American. He's,
1: yeah, he's the kind of stockbroker you would imagine. is a stockbroker. This kind of person yeah. you would imagine the stockbroker. Yeah, he's perfect. He's one of these people who these days you would say he's a total hedge fund manager.
2: Massive bank. You
1: know,
2: yeah. <laughs> But he basically says, oh, yeah, I've done some work with the Wu Ling in the past. He he was probably just uh, writing my name in his book so we could hang out at some point. Uh, Yeah, that's normal. He basically says, like, that makes sense. That's normal, right?
0: I guess he was just planning to look me up. Be a natural thing to do. And that's why he had my name written down in his book.
2: People write my
0: name all the time.
2: (laughs) All the time. Dear diary, I can't wait to hang out with Charles Lester when I go to London. Um, I wrote just the other day in my diary. Also, I really enjoy how overly familiar he tries to get with Poirot, and Poirot hates it. He hates it. (laughs) Every second of it. Because he touches him for a start. Don't touch Poirot without asking first. That's just rude. And then he calls him Hercule. Uh,
0: Good day, Mr. Lester. So long, Hercule.
2: Like That's some of his best right. friends does, don't he, yeah. call him Hercule. Like How I don't think he's you, Jack <laughs> Hastings wouldn't even call him Hercule, and they've been Hastings, through some Hastings shit. Hastings
1: and Levin call him Herc. What about Hercule?
2: There aren't any for
1: Hercule.
2: Herc. Only when they're at the beach. <laughs> but Only yeah. when he can't hear them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's he's very overly familiar. But as they're leaving. Uh, Hastings picks up a little book that the massive banker has written about massive banking. Uh, and he says, oh, yeah, take it with you. And there's a picture of Charles Lester on the front, like, pointing at the camera, like, hey, banking. Hey, so,
1: <laughs> so you want to make super, money?
2: <laughs> yeah, super cheesy, classic kind of banking yeah. book. Like like have, the Donald you... Trump, like, I can make you a millionaire, baby.
1: <laughs> we want you.
2: <laughs> yeah, to give us your money.
1: <laughs> have you ever fallen down in the street? <laughs> <laughs> Call us now.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Injury lawyers for you.
2: Why yes, should you kind of get caught for a crime <laughs> you committed?
1: So Poirot and the gang head back to Wuling's hotel. Poirot makes an incredibly astute observation. He says to... Perfect he looks one. down at the book.
0: Excuse me. This Monsieur Ling, he spoke with the American accent, yes? Um, yes. I believe he did now you come to mention it. Oh. Thank you. Shall we go? American accent. The Americans always put the months before the day, Testings. Ah. Yes, they're very backward people.
1: Well, what I love is that Poirot doesn't leave us hanging on that. He explains it immediately. But not you know before
2: that? Jap getting very annoyed, uh, giving him like a glance of like, what... Where did this come well, from? What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, turns out that Wu Ling has signed the register with the month first, then the date, which is a very, you know, only only really happens in America. So we're instantly sort of led to believe that perhaps the Wooling Ling that arrived at the beginning of the story...
2: It's not the ruling set off in China. There's also a really good sick burn in um, Sorry Americans from Poirot at this point where he says, yeah, you know, he makes the point, the Americans put the month before the date. And he goes, yes, they're a very backward people. <laughs> 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 a little savage burn there, Sorry American Folk. <laughs> So then um, as they're leaving, uh, Hastings is like, I might go back and see that Charles Lester guy because this book he's, he gave me, pretty great. And I'm, you know, he's, Hastings is all about the mm, stock market now. full of
1: tips, yeah.
2: Full of tips. But he realises he, he's lost it. And just as he realises that, the helpful hotel worker runs up and says, oh, you dropped your book, sir. And as he looks down at the book, lo and behold finger-pointing-at-camera picture on the front, it's only Charles Lester is the guy that came to see Wu Ling at the hotel the very Mm. night he went missing. Well, I'll
0: be damned. Something he's the man on the suit? It's him. No question about it. This is the fellow that called to see Mr Ling.
2: Uh Uh-oh. The man who met him in
1: the lobby was Charles Lester. So they book it back to Lester's office and... And Lester suddenly cracks himself and says...
2: uh, (laughs) Craps himself.
1: um, Yes. He (laughs) says that, um, I'm very, very sorry I didn't tell you everything. I saw that he got missing and I was terrified in case you were going to bang me up because I've got hedges to fund and whatever.
0: I guess I panicked. Uh, When I read about the murder, you you see, this kind of thing, it's uh, not exactly good for business.
3: Right now, it's not exactly good for you.
2: And he says, he claims that he was nowhere near where the body was found or anything. He was nothing to do with any of that. So interesting. But they're not quite convinced. We'll come back to Mr. Lester later. That's a tongue twister in itself. Mr. Lester? Does it sound like Molester? I don't know. Anyway, so then we go back to Whitehaven. Dear God, they're still playing Monopoly. This game will never end. It's getting the, the balance of power within Monopoly throughout the episode is really interesting because it starts off that Hastings is kind of wiping the floor with Poirot and being like, "Oh, you see, yeah, not so smart, are you our old boy and all this." You know, Hastings is getting all cocky, and Poirot's like, "Oh, this is a silly game, and you, it's no skill in it, and all this." And Hastings is like, "Hmm." Then gradually throughout the episode, the table start to turn as poirot gets yes. the handle on it
0: it would appear that skill plays but a little part in this game huh? it's all about skill what to buy and when where to put your property
2: <laughs> so they are in the thick of a game of of this game still when a jap turns up to talk to poirot about um, some thoughts and investigations that he has. Ah. This is a moment where there are some big old highlighting mm. of clues dropped from Poirot. Yeah,
1: we do need, to, yeah, we do need to pay attention to this. So we're going to play the clip for you. But um, yeah, ba- he basically sums up what you need to really have noticed or
0: can try and recall in order to solve this thing. Yes, indeed, Chief Inspector. There are curious features about this case. For example, the cigarette stubs in the ashtray of Monsieur Wooling Cigarette stopped? The colour of the ends. You observed it, of course. Then there is the mystery of the matches in the suitcase. Why does a man with a full box of matches ask for another to light his cigarette? Why does he? Well, when we know that, no doubt we will have our solution.
2: But then the phone rings, and it's Mrs. Lester, wife of Charles, the mm. master yeah yeah <laughs> yes mr pointy <laughs> <laughs> that's his uh that's his nickname on the street <laughs> uh, So, <laughs> mrs lester is very concerned because charles is missing she doesn't know where he's gone and she's yeah she's basically tried, she phoned to speak to jap because she wants to know if he knows where he is but poirot speaks to her instead
0: madame please try to be calm huh? it is our cupola. yes you are certain Your husband left his office this afternoon by taxi and he has not returned.
2: So then we cut to a very sweaty Charles Lester in quite a state in Chinatown. He's not looking too hot or he's looking very hot. And that's why he's sweaty. Um, But he's not. Yeah, he is not in a good way, regardless. Mm. So then, so then Mrs. Lester comes in to see Poirot uh, while he's in the, the midst of a breakdown because he's discovered that one of his cheques that he sent to pay for the phone bill has been sent back because of his overdraft issues. And uh, so his phone line's been cut.
0: They're threatening to cut us off. Miss Lemon, get me the chairman of the telephone company on the phone this instant. Mm
1: a great moment. Ring them up and tell them and she can't because it's up. <laughs> <gone.
2: laughs> it's really, really good. And he is poor is losing his mind with it all and then poor Mrs. Lester who's just very concerned about her husband shows up just at the right time. But she sits down with him and she basically reveals that He's been really different the last few months and she's very concerned about him. And she also reveals that she found Wu Ling's passport in his trouser pocket. His trousers and clothes were all caked in mud and dirt. Um, So he has a very significant, I would say damning piece of, damn defensive piece of evidence on his person that she's just revealed.
1: Even the most cursory uh, mystery solver will be able to see that the man who ran away that night in the alley was Charles Lester. Mr. Pointy himself, um, he's come home and he's got Wooling's passport and he ran away from the body. So all, all signs are pointing towards Charles Lester, especially as his wife says, he's been acting very, very odd. So the, really, the chase is on to find him, isn't it?
2: One other thing we haven't really touched on too much, but this is where it really hots up anyway, is this the following the surveillance of Dyer, of Reggie Dyer. Jap has not let this go. He is hot on his tail and determined. There's a great line when he interviews him, actually, that I really need to pull out. Listen, Dyer, I'm going to nail your grubby little hide.
3: I'm going to nail your grubby little hide if it takes from now until...
2: Whew. That is erotic.
1: That's what you wish Jack would say to you. A hundred percent.
2: And he, I would let him. I would let him. Uh, so anyway, he's hot on hot on the grubby little hide of Dyer throughout the episode. And they, they've got to go in and bust him now. They bust into a, a casino in Chinatown, which conveniently I suppose if you're into this sort of thing has an opium dem in the in the back (laughs) so they they get in there they find Reggie in the back at the opium dem he's obviously been involved in some dodgy dealings with opium they did find him with a briefcase full of money earlier which is quite Mm. um, incriminating Or just he doesn't trust banks, I don't know. But yeah, either way, he's involved in the open thing. So Jap's finally got his man and he's going to nail that grubby little hide (laughs) as promised, probably off camera. But then while they're there, they spot that Charles Lester... Is in the opium den and he yeah. is high as a kite.
1: Really, we're about to get to the reveal, aren't we? Everyone yeah. thinks it's dire, but Charles Lester is also <laughs> in this opium den and he's off his face.
2: What's gonna happen?
1: How can they sew it all together? Well, Poirot is about to do so. Um, I think we are going to have to break off there, though, for people who want to solve it themselves.
2: What do you think? Yes, we did before we do the light bulb moment for Poirot. Mm. His little ah, uh, feeling they're playing. Guess what? Monopoly. Uh, and <laughs> Hastings is going to jail. Go to jail. Wonderful.
0: You are right, Hastings. It is indeed wonderful. Suddenly the whole thing has become perfectly clear. Yep. Where are we going now?
1: Well, Frankie, I'm going to go first on the sick burns this time because Please. I really like one at the beginning and I'm pretty sure that you'll probably pick it as well. So I'm just going to quickly say that my sick burn of the whole thing, I really love it's the way Hastings is playing Monopoly at the beginning, of, well all the way through he's so serious, he won't take his yes. eyes off, well, he's just staring at him, like boring into his Like as if he's playing poker or something, he's blowing yes. on the dice, <laughs> <laughs> rattling it. Oh rattling my god, it, yeah. He's very superstitious and, on the,
2: and yeah. Yeah,
1: on the third third blow and rattle, you just see David Suchet. It's not even an eye roll, but it's just yeah. a little, oh my God, for, it's a board game, just roll the thing. <laughs> but during this beautiful scene, um, Hastings re- picks up community chest or chance, I can't remember, yeah, how it yeah. says, you've won second prize in a beauty contest, which Porotex takes as a real insult. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's
2: very <laughs> offensive.
1: <laughs> he sits up straight. You've won second prize in a beauty contest. Collect £10.
0: Pounds. Thank you very much, Hastings.
1: I love it. It's so subtle and you wouldn't you wouldn't think it was a burn unless you knew and loved the character so much, but it's just the fact that Poirot, second prize in a beauty contest. How dare you, sir? You're damned offensive. Damn offensive? Damn defensive <laughs> not damned offensive. Dirty
2: swine. <laughs> dirty swine. <Yes. laughs> uh, I, to follow on to that, shortly after, during another round of Monopoly, see, board games do not bring out the vested people. <laughs> I'm going go to go ahead and say it.
1: Board game, board game burns in this are strong.
2: savage burns (laughs) so uh, it's well they're playing and Poirot's still not doing very well at this point and Hastings says not your night tonight old man and then he says
0: perhaps it is because I do not huff and puff all over the dice like the wheezing grumpus
2: (gasps) I think he says grumpus I can't quite make out what it is.
1: I thought he said Krampus, and I was thinking, no, it can't be Krampus. Like Christmas. That, yeah, yeah, it can't be you're wheezing all over the dice like a Scandinavian <laughs> folktale. That just wouldn't work. So I think it is Krampus, yeah. Uh,
2: and then I did also enjoy the the nailing of the grubby hide. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's, that's for different reasons entirely. Um, so, yeah, I would say the board game-based burns are the strongest, mm. most uh, most third degree of burns
1: there's lots of, lots of really funny dialogue. The whole, you know, phone bill getting cut, the yes. phone getting cut off. That I mean, it's just such a great comic beat. And, and the whole stuff at the bank is, you know, when he's arguing about how much he's overdrawn. Yeah. With, it's already really hilarious. Not necessarily Absolutely burned. Yeah, yeah. But they're really, really, they're really, really fun. Yeah. But in terms of the mystery itself, how would you rate this one out of 10? Yes
2: ignoring all of the the issues various issues we've discussed within this episode um it's a really strong mystery and one that you can solve which i always enjoy when uh, a silly silly stupid woman like me can do it <laughs> so uh i liked it um i would give this one a six i think mm-hmm
1: definitely with you on that i was gonna say Mm. six myself it definitely has mysterious ingredients and like as you say if you pick up on them and you're watching for them then uh yeah you can definitely solve it and it is rather clever Hmm. i don't know if it's the best assembled story no um like i do enjoy it and i like the period detail and i like the bank stuff and the monopoly stuff is just really fun the moment they sort of set foot in chinatown it Becomes a little bit chaotic and a bit messy. There's something about it. I don't know what it is. Like the whole dire thread, shall we say? It's a little bit dire. Once you once you (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Once you (laughs) once you uh once everything's revealed, you do think, well that was a bit extraneous. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it's a little bit I don't know. I don't know. Um there's something about this one, but it's not what I ever reach for. It's like bottom of the pile, I think. Despite the mystery being really clever. So I, I can't really explain why. Certainly, nothing to do with the characters. I don't i think it's just the fact that it's disappearance and then sort of a couple of clues, which are fine, but I don't Mm. think they're not as genius as Problem at Sea. But then there's a reveal, and you go, Oh, okay, but it's not one that really lives in memory for me. So, mystery wise, yeah, yeah,
2: concur. I agree. Mm. But what do you think at home, listener? what do you think did you solve Do you think you've solved this one are you going to join us after the music to see if you did but let us know your (laughs) thoughts um email us or tweet us or whatever you'd like to do because i'm yeah i'm curious to hear people's thoughts on this one and how Mm. angry do you get at board games do you get a damn defensive when you play you're a dirty
1: swine yes
2: (laughs) or just a (laughs) massive banker (laughs) with it (laughs) do let us know
1: well if you want to go away and solve it please do Um, but whatever you do come back and after the the musical sting we'll talk about the ending and what it means so uh, yes for now au revoir
2: au revoir so we're back we're ready to solve the mystery together. Let's do it. We normally just reveal who the killer is right off the bat, right? Do you want to do that? Mm.
1: The killer was Lord Pearson, <gasps> the man who hired Poirot. Do we have him at last?
0: Do we have the killer? Oh yes, we have the killer,
2: Monami. Oh! What? <laughs> double bluffing no yeah. person he's got he is should He's rather fierce, son. (laughs) No, don't do that ever again. Um, So, (laughs) yes, Lord Pearson. uh, Well, if you've watched up to this point, you now know how, but we'll go through this together on this little... Because Poirot does have a little bit of fun with this one. He gets Uh Lord Pearson to come down to Chinatown where Poirot, Jap and the police are hanging out at the opium den.
0: Lord Pearson knows Chinatown well. He himself likes to gamble here in the Red Dragon. Where Monsieur Lester is also the frequent visitor to the casino's opium dens. Each night you satisfy your passion for gambling, Lord Pearson, as each night Monsieur Lester satisfies his craving for the drug. Here amidst the smoke and sweat of the Red Dragon, dark dreams are dreamed and dark thoughts become the reality. The weakness of the other man begins to fascinate you. And one evening when you have gambled and lost even more heavily than usual, you see how to make use of it. You devise a plan to frame Monsieur Lester for the crime. One of the
1: most glaring clues in the whole thing was when the Chinese gentleman is brought into the bank at the beginning to say, oh, here's Mr Wu Ling, Pearson immediately says, no, that's not Wu Ling. Yet, a few minutes later, when Poirot's talking to him, he says he's never met him, so...
0: Mm. No, no, I... no, this is Mr Wu
3: Ling. How well did you know this gentleman, sir? Well, we...
1: Never actually met. It's just all very murky, isn't it, from Pearson?
2: Yeah, yeah, he is, and yeah, get your story straight, Pearson. If you're going to commit murder, idiot. But Uh, yeah,
1: we we get a lovely flashback, don't we? It explains everything.
2: I love a good flashback. (laughs) I really do, because they've in in the first series of this show, they kind of experiment with the telling of. How mm. it was done. Sometimes Time it's Poirot it, right? telling you, yeah, or like the, or the Whitehaven 4 will tell you. Sometimes it's a flashback, sometimes it's a bit of both. You get a bit of both, but I think flashbacks are my preference. Do you have a preference?
1: No, I think flashbacks too, because it's a bit like Jack and Ori, isn't it? You get, you know, you get like a lovely recreation of what happens with David Tuchel yeah. going, and then you walked up the stairs and
0: beat him in the head and all
2: that kind of
0: thing. You devise yes. a plan to frame Monsieur Lister for the crime.
2: Very good impression.
0: You devise a plan to frame Monsieur Lester for the crime.
2: Yeah, I, I like it too. And I also like when they show you the bit. like, remember this bit? That was when that happened. Mm. You're like, oh yeah, I do remember that. That's always nice. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's revealed like through flashback that uh, Lord Pearson is a bit of a gambler in his own right. And he likes to frequent the, the old casinos in Chinatown himself. And while he's been hanging out there, he's witnessed poor old Charles Lester, who is in the grip of a terrible opium addiction, stumbling yeah. in and out of the den. And he looks at him. He, I think he probably maybe knows who he is through the banking world, the stocks and all that. And this is where he devises a bit of a plan to basically frame Charles Lester for the murder of Wu Ling. So they send a fake Wu Ling to check in at the hotel. So he blackened up his teeth, which is why there is, that's why Poirot keeps going on about A, the fact that he took a new box of matches for his cigarettes, and also that the cigarettes were stained from the black of his teeth because he was Mm. made to look like Wheeling. I really don't know why they went to that much level of detail. I doubt the hotel worker would have noticed or cared, but, you know, Mm. if you're going to put on a show, I guess, you want to really commit, so fair play. It's
1: almost like Agatha Christie was like, God, I need a clue here. What can I possibly do? well, obviously, the, he, he asked for matches because he didn't know that there was a box of matches in the real Wu Ling's suitcase, yes. so there's that one. The whole teeth blackening thing is like, I think that's a clue too far. I don't think I was reading that
2: Yeah, today, to be I also about. like that the when they show it in the flashback, he's like, hello, I'm Wu Ling like really showing its
1: teeth <laughs> like as much as possible H- here's a gray gap <laughs> as you can two. see
2: i have terrible <laughs> dental hygiene so yeah it is again other issue
1: <laughs> it also explains the the whole american format for the date because uh, the real wuling came from china i mean wouldn't have written the date that way so there's, there's that little thing as well
2: it's quite neat and tidy for sure. And yeah, we, we learned that uh, Lester was kind of, they did contact Wu Ling in the word commas, did contact Lester and took him to Chinatown and obviously got high as f-ing at the opium den. And then he woke up next to the body of of Wu Ling not himself knowing 100% whether or not he did kill him but thinking Mm, he probably mm. didn't because he wasn't a murderer so it's all very dramatic but Lord Pearson once he realises he's been busted suddenly goes very quiet and stony-faced and glary, I would say. He goes with a bit more uh, dignity than some of the other ones that we've had so far. Yeah, so that that's it. That's the mystery solved, really. Mm-hmm. And did, did you solve it at home, listener? Do tell us. I'd like to know how you got there mm-hmm. and what you did. But we end on a bit more of a fun note than just the savage murder of a, a poor, unsuspecting uh, Chinese man. Uh, we end with, guess what? Monopoly.
1: The cock-up with Poirot's accounts, Yep. he's revealed. So what happened there, Frankie?
2: Oh, well, Miss Lemon comes in be like, oh, <laughs> Poirot, we, <laughs> we <laughs> made a boo-boo here because you didn't get your money through from that case you solved at the naval base of course he did Uh, and they owed you this might they owed you like £444 whatever it was that he Mm -hmm. uh, was exactly missing so mystery solved and Poirot's like oh well whoops not like oh I should have probably (laughs) apologised to a few people (laughs) for for saying it was all their fault and shouting at everyone he's like oh well what are you gonna do this is the cheque from Lord Avebury for the naval secrets case this should have gone into your account
3: ten days ago
0: Miss Lemon, you're in the right.
3: Ah, this is the reason I am overdrawn. I think I'd better pop down to the bank with this right away, don't
2: you?
1: we can make do without a phone now can't we we've proved it for the last day or so.
2: <laughs> lean out the window to check the time you've got a clock now you don't need to do that and, uh, a network
1: yeah. of cups and strings
2: across <laughs> London <laughs> I think carrier pigeons are very fashionable these days um, so that's sort of sorted out and then we end up end with the perfect end line after all the monopoly fun, in, fun and games pun intended when he says
0: you know my name about this game you are right all the time It is the skill that counts in the end.
2: That was fun.
1: It's a nice, it's a nice filler episode. I think it's not, it's yeah. not offensively bad like the King of still Clubs. You're damned offensive. As I say, it's not, it's not one I tend to look back on with much fondness. But it's a fun enough episode, isn't it? it's a, it's a total yeah. mid-level episode. Honestly.
2: Yeah, this is another one. Obviously, we're still on the short stories, so and this one was published in a magazine. And you can tell that, mm. you can tell the ones that were magazine versus yeah.
1: the book. It's <laughs> slightly more underbaked than. Than, yeah. than the you know the really meaty ones like the dream or um, Problem let's see but you yeah, know fun one. fun enough if if it comes on TV and you go oh it's the lost mine it's not like you're gonna flick it off or anything, unless you're yeah. offended by that kind of,
2: damn offended
1: you know, mm, damn offended <laughs> dirty swine dirty swine
2: <laughs> my god but the good news is Adam mm. our next episode go is on. an absolute cracker. Do you remember? The Cornish Mystery.
1: Oh! <laughs> oh, <laughs> this does have the best ending of mm-hmm. any Poirot episode. It is. Yes,
2: it does. <laughs> 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 Cannot wait to do that one. Mm,
1: the mystery is good. Really and the the interplay between the White Heaven 4 is just mm. the best. It's the best. It's creme de la creme. <sighs>
2: So awesome. exciting. You've
1: wow. actually pre-made some Cornish mystery gifts already, haven't you? They I exist did. online. They're out there in the world.
2: They're in the world. It's because I watched it at your house.
1: Mm. <laughs> in you the did. while well, we made a roast dinner together.
2: Yep. Mm. In the hot on the hottest day of the year. Um, I, and... I know
1: what we'll have for lunch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> roast
1: beef. We'll have two and a half hours in the in a boiling kitchen <laughs> watching <laughs> while we're roasting things. Yeah.
2: And then we saw mm. some roasting in the episode, but we'll save that for next week. But it's mm. uh, an absolute yeah. It, I because of the, the ending is so good, I couldn't wait to make mm. the gifts. I think I went home that evening, whipped out the old laptop, like <laughs> let's do this thing.
1: I've got I've got an idea, an impromptu little thing for people to to, to play while we're while you're all waiting for the Ooh. next episode. Search Poirot gifts and see if you can tell which <laughs> ones are from the Cornish mystery and yes. send them along to us on our socials and we will... Like um, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have real fun.
2: Please, yes, please. Oh, good. There is and a very,
1: very it- obvious one if you're a fan of Cornish cuisine, let's just say.
2: That. Yes. <laughs> very true. I forgot about yeah that part as well. Oh, and mastication. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, thank you fun. so
1: much. See you again soon for the Cornish mystery. I cannot wait.
2: See you later. Au revoir.
1: <laughs> Au revoir.
2: If you'd like to keep up to date with what we're doing or get in touch with us, you can follow us on Twitter at Labors Hercule. We're also on Instagram if you like pictures at Labors of Hercule. And if you were born in the 1920s yourself, then you can be all old-fashioned and email us at bonjour at thelaboursofhercule.com. That's it from us. See you next time. Au revoir, mes amis.
0: Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts.